Welcome to the Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast, brought to you by the Ruminations Radio Network and sponsored by Film Obsessive. This is the tirade film movie debate hosted by two film critics, cool dads and struggling teachers. I'm Don Shanahan. And I am William Henry Johnson III. This seems like, since we're going into the United Kingdom, I feel like I have to have my official Yeah, uh, you, you drop the third. Yeah, it, it hits hard. Henry Johnson break it, break III. It. Yes. Oh, man. I didn't know you were a third. Is that true, or are you just putting that on for oh. podcast purposes? No, or as my family says, the turd. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Well, you know, mm-hmm. hey, Chicago accents. Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, first things first. Like, we're damn glad to have you here on this podcast. This is all for tantrum. sake. We're shared passions and high fives wash away any place for hate. No matter what, we encourage you all to love what you love. But for now, the gloves are off and the hissy fit is on. This week, we're digging into We Can't Resist It. Um, Will and I just um, recently saw uh, Together. First movie we've ever watched together. We watched Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. And uh, we recorded some content recently on Raiders of the Lost Ark. And, of course, that uh, Dial of Destiny, the, the latest uh, Harrison Ford joint. And we've been um, Will's been doing a bit of a deep dive into some blind spots in Harrison Ford. And uh, we can't get enough. So we're here to talk about uh, the first of two little Harrison Ford episodes. We're going to go with 1979's Hanover Street. Directed by Peter Himes. Um, it's kind of been recommended to us by, um, well, we'll probably talk about in our five minutes of how we found this thing and why why we even knew about it and stuff like that. But around here, our format is this. The recommending lover goes first. They will get five uninterrupted minutes to shower their praise and state their Hermione case. The hater will follow next with five uninterrupted minutes of their own to present their counterpoints with any manner of intellectual scorched earth. After that, we'll open it up for about 30 minutes of shared conversation with a hissy fit really gets chippy. Um, will Johnson. You have this a star higher than me in Letterbox. You're the lover. You go first. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of a theme. Per, oh, you know what? I better set my clock. I didn't do that, so I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Okay. God. My bad. Sorry. Okay, there we go. Yeah, I'm kind of a theme guy. Like, I really get into whether that's a result of my... Uh, obsessive compulsive disorder or not I don't know but like I usually like I, I like that comfort of like once I get into a thing I like to dive into it kind of learn all I can about it put it in the memory banks and then move on to the next thing um, Harrison Ford obviously huge part of my life uh, one of my most watched stars easily but um, like anything else here there's going to be stuff that you miss you know uh, and especially with someone uh, of Harrison Ford's caliber you know, someone who is one of the, in my opinion, I'm not gonna say the greatest movie star, but one of the greatest movie stars of all time in terms of just having that sheer, sheer personality that could get you to watch a movie, watch anything really. Um, I, I think that um, even I, someone who, who's always appreciated him, never really um, maybe appreciated some of his more daring stuff and I wanted to kind of go in and, and go for the stuff that I hadn't seen, which is not a lot, but there's definitely some things. And Hanover Street is one of the ones that's kind of come in and out of recommendations. It's, it hits that very interesting period in Harrison Ford's career where, you know, it's post-Star Wars, pre-Indiana Jones, same year as Apocalypse Now. You know, he's made a name for himself, but he's still feeling things out, seeing where he goes. Um, you know... He's uh, this is a movie where Harrison Ford fights Nazis. So right before Raiders of the Lost Ark. So it's pretty interesting. But uh, no, this one was uh, recommended to me in and out for the last couple of years. And since I've been on a little bit of a Harrison Ford streak, like I said, I kind of get in these themes. 
I've kind of been seeing all the stuff that I've missed, like Mosquito Coast and uh, regar- uh, Regarding Henry, which we're going to talk about in another episode, and just all kinds of Harrison Ford deep cuts that I haven't seen. And this was one of them, and I, and I watched it today, and uh, uh, a lot of the reviews from people I trust seem to say this is not what I thought it was going to be. It's actually re- pretty good, um, which would go against um, probably what everybody, with the exception of Peter Himes, thinks about this movie, which... Um, uh, Leslie Ann Down, who plays the main romantic female lead, had said that she read the script and said that I expected it to be sweet, sickly, and over the top, and it was. Uh, Harrison Ford, uh, kind of known nowadays as a uh, grumpier person, said that uh, he accepted the role because he had never played a love scene in all of his years in the movies up to that point. Uh, and I thought that the part would help me grow, but I hated making that film from start to finish. He said he never saw the film. They wanted me to promote it, but they wouldn't show it to me, and I'd never pay to see it. It was a terrible experience. (laughs) So we know that Harrison Ford hasn't seen this movie, uh, and a lot of uh, critics savaged it. But I don't know. I think, especially in the day and age we live in now, of uh, that there's, there's no more real... Um, there's a large gap between the blockbuster and the independent film. There's really no in-between anymore. And when there is, they make such a big deal out of it, like the most recently released No Hard Feelings. Everyone's making a big deal about, hey, it's a mid-budget rated R sex comedy. Like That's become more of the exception, not the rule anymore. So I think in a time like this, which is 79, you're, you're about 10 years into new Hollywood, you know, the, the easy writer Hollywood, this feels very old fashioned and especially today in today's landscape, it feels very old fashioned and different. Um, it is not, uh, you know, put together in a way that is meant to, uh, you know, try to get a specific group. I'm not going to say it's four quadrant filmmaking, but this is kind of a hard film to categorize. And, th- and that works in its favor because, you know, the film starts out with this kind of uh, engaging witty banter meet cute kind of thing transitions to you know bombing raids in the war but you also have kind of this nice little back and forth between you know these these army men or air force men uh you've got intrigue and spycraft and like i said at one point people are going undercover and fighting nazis and and characters that are kind of there for comic relief are dying and it's it it doesn't have a genre and i and like i said i think that is just when people were swinging for the fences making an all-around good film. I laughed in this film. I wouldn't say I'd cry. I think it's a little too melodramatic. Not It's not dramatic enough to, to really get the tears going, but it, it is effective. But I laughed. I had emotions. I cared about the characters. I thought it was exciting, though the action is not the most well-directed thing in the world. But um, yeah, it's just a very old-fashioned, fun film that I think is one of those ones that I'm not going to say deserves to be forgotten, but is part of Harrison Ford's filmography that if you are like me and you're going to start digging through some of his, his other stuff, I think you'll find this one be a nice, pleasant surprise. Well done, sir. I know I'm in the hater slot, but I'll probably sound compliment heavy, maybe even more than you for a second, where this is my wheelhouse. I like romantic dramas i i'm a sucker i'm a sap i'm a pussy i love this stuff um the the more tragic the more melodramatic most of the time the better now i have i try to tell myself to have a little bit more refined 
selection taste when it comes to the whole you know schmaltzy romantic dramas where i'm not watching the lifetime shit i'm not watching the netflix stuff um you don't have to i was i don't want to say raised in the good stuff but like i know that there are very good ones out there and that's what i'll seek out i'll seek out out of africa i'll seek out the english patient i'll seek out um you know any number i mean i'm a casablanca guy for goodness sakes so they had me at you know world war ii and, and i love the and i love triangle where you can you know two people that can't stay together uh, or or maybe shouldn't or what the what consequences can play with that so um be, and then to, to have this be the throwback that it is even in 1979 like you said the edges of new hollywood um on the you know right after star wars was going to change the game and already did for ford um and i i it's it's sad to hear that he's kind of like divorced himself from this movie or at least you know to the experience and whatnot and because um i i dug it i i think it's got a little bit of, i'm I, I can't call it like you a four quadrant film i think this is for a very specific audience who wants um wants just an old-fashioned thing that's got enough sweep to kind of get you going a little bit with with good looking people and stars that you care about and then um obviously a little just a just a nose higher than normal scope that kind of says hey we're still going to make a war film along the way and really trying to impress you with some production value with that um and that's kind of where peter himes comes in where i just think it's the i'm sure somebody would can obviously take this story and make it better whether it's older filmmakers like douglas sirk or whatnot or, or obviously newfangled people like steven spielberg but if all you need to do is kind of tell a small story like you're not involving winston churchill and large-scale things of the war you just have this love triangle that just happens to involve kind of the steps in which they take and the, you know, the, the ground of which they plot in this war and and you don't go any wider bigger we're not saving private ryan and stuff like that so we're not doing this on d-day we're doing this on a random bridge in the middle of nowhere and whatnot so i'm, I'm glad that i'm glad that small stakes still count as stakes in a big in a big war and to tell a small story like that fictional or otherwise and to put a little production value to it where um this movie has kind of gone on with a nice little history of being um a, a fan favorite and a cult favorite of like um of air aficionados where um you know the b25 use in the aerial scenes of the movie are really are really really good for its day and um and peter himes is it's for me an action director that i really dig because he's he's willing to kind of put a camera out there and just kind of throw it in there and get it going um a movie right i want to say it's right after or before no right before this he did a movie of mine that was turned uh, that uh, a friend of mine turned me on to years and years ago called Capricorn One, which is this fantastic late seventies conspiracy thriller of what a, of faking astronauts' death and you know making sure that they don't get out and tell the, the tell the public they're still alive and it has this the best aerial sequence I've ever seen on film. I know I know Top Gun exists and there's a zillion things out there, but from a genuine just throw people out there and helicopters out there thing, Capricorn One just showed me wow this guy can just put put his head in his camera on a swivel and have a good time and for a bit here with the the car chase and the bridge stuff and the and the big rescue at the end like this movie takes a moment in that third act to kind of jack up that that energy level a little bit and to kind of seal the deal of like hey we're not just gonna mope around and, and wonder and and long for the different you know yearning that is here with the war we're gonna still put you in the war and have a very dramatic ending and whatnot and i was all there for it i i, I find that it was a nice blend is it herky-jerky in the way that it kind of you you fashion those two things together uh, a love triangle and then the war stuff it is but um to compare to movies that would just today grossly overdo one or the other and and probably you know put chintzy shit effort into the half that they don't put the effort into on the other side i just i like that this is a, a smooth blend a herky jerky or not it, it's just a nice 
yeah, I, I, I do like its blend of, of being able to put a, those things together. And by the time you get to Ford, um, disowning the movie or not, he's captivating. He's appealing. This is hot Harrison Ford. He, he, the tune looks great. Leslie Ann Down is a, is a fetching figure to go after. Christopher Plummer, we're used to him being kind of a bit of a professional movie villain, but there's gravitas to that next part there a little bit. And yeah, I just, and then from you had me in World War II again, where production value and the costumes and the, the smoky streets and the soft cameras and it just, and the John Barry music. My God, that man can narrate laundry, <laughs> laundry folding, and it would sound sumptuous and gorgeous. It's the guy who did not just did the Bond stuff, but did, you know, he's coming up to his 80s heyday of like Dances with Wolves and Out of Africa, where the guy just cooked in terms of just making the best romantic sweep scores in the world, where, it, you sometimes have those movies where there's one component that can take a shitty movie and just make it better. Like when John Williams just shows up and, and takes a score and elevates it, or you have Hans Williams doing, uh, or I'm sorry, Hans Zimmer doing like a, a Nancy Myers romantic comedy where all of a sudden like, Whoa, this is, there's some effort here. And that's John Barry. So you put all that together. I'm captivated. I'm caught up and I'm, and I'm completely, I'm sucked in. I'm sucked in for two hours and I don't mind one bit that it's, that is, that is schmaltzy. I don't mind one bit that it's tedious. I, I, I'm there for it. And I miss, I miss this kind of movie where go ahead and be old fashioned, go ahead and be tedious, go ahead and just really sell the romance. You don't get too many of these too often. And when they come around and you put a little star par like Ford, it's just worth it. Um, this is to me, see this blind spot because there's a side of Ford here. You never normally see. And I think that's worth exploring and watching catching all that so all right let me hit that bell um all right gentlemen ladies and gents uh hang it tight well please enjoy this short announcement from our ruminations radio network you know you've been scared watching horror movies by yourself well now you don't have to hang out with ruminations of red room all things horror from movies to the latest spooky games we've played come hang out but hurry the killer's behind you all right, welcome back. Yeah, Will, um, I know I was in the hater slot, but I, I have a lot to love. I, my head outweighs my heart where I'm still at three. I could probably be sold into a four, but I know I've seen some movies. Maybe it's because I am I soak these kinds of movies up. The, the like Even like Chris O'Donnell and Sandra Bullock, like In Love and War. Like I, I like the shitty ones so where it's just the, the romantic drama level things. Or, you know, I know Seinfeld makes fun of the English patient. I love the English patient where the, I know there are movies that hit that just hit the swoon a little higher than this one where those are the fours, those are the fives. And, and, and this one's more like the three. Another comp for me would be something like, um, I know every critic savage did, but like summer's B with Jodie Foster and Richard mm, Gere. Yeah. By the time you get to the end of that movie and like spoiler alert, you know, um, Richard Gere's going to get hanged and he just needs to see Jodie Foster one more time. And they scream at each other from the gallows and shit. I'm there. Like the movie is slow and methodical, but you every now and then it'll squeeze you just right. And you know it's there, and that's I don't know. I find that worth it. So, oh yeah, yeah for sure. Just a little side note before I get into any uh, criticism. This is uh, there is one person on Letterboxd who has this as one of their fifth, top four movies that you know if you're mm. Letterbox user. You get to pick four. Sure. Uh, exactly one person. Um, wow. Now they didn't even pick four movies. So I'm looking at their profile right now, but Hanover Street is one of three. Okay. Um, what are the other? Can you? Oh, you well, want me to guess? Well, I'm just saying because along the same lines as Hanover. No, I would say along the same lines in the sense of that it's. I'm not saying that the movie's all over the place, but the fact that it has so many different qualities to it, 
mm-hmm. um, in terms of genre. Uh, yeah. His other, his other two besides Hanover Street, one is a Harrison Ford thing, uh, a bigger one, and another one is something, another romance. I mean, I know it's a lot of movies out there, but just yeah. Um, I mean, I'll throw Casablanca out there because I thought I heard you giggle earlier. Nope, nope. Nope. All right. Um, Gone with the Wind. Nope. nope. One's a Harrison Ford, and one's a. Uh, I'm going one's for a, a rom com. A rom com. Um, Sleepless yeah. in Seattle. Close, close. And you've got I'll, mail then. Uh, very close. I'll just give them to you. So his yeah, other two, besides Hannah Strickland, is Notting Hill. And okay. Blade Runner. <laughs> so, huh. all right, all right. But yeah, there's so, a Ford head there. Yeah. So shout shout out to Chameleon Saint. You are the one fan of mm-hmm. Hanover Street. So good for you. Uh, but no, uh, yeah. I my my complaints aren't much, but I, I do yeah. think that um, a couple of things that bring it down. Uh, I'm not. I, I don't think Leslie Ann Down is is very compelling to the point where yeah. she's going to have yeah. two men like you know want to die for her like right, I, don't, right. I, mean, I i get it but it's a romance just maybe not my type of gal though pg rated boobs are are showing so that's like right. a plus uh, tip there um also like i said i don't know why the action didn't work for me i just thought it was i don't know if it's the sound design or the editing or something but it just it, it didn't hit it it always kind of felt a little off okay. but um I will say, I mean, for Peter Hines, uh, I'm more, I'm not familiar with everything from 1972 till Capricorn one. Um, yeah. But have you I, seen I, Capricorn one, uh, I have not seen Capricorn one, but oh, um, I am familiar with every, a lot of the stuff after this in which he kind of mixed, uh, science fiction jump, yeah. horror. Like he did outland, he did 2010, mm-hmm. um, he did a stay tuned. Yeah. yeah, Presidio with with uh, Sean Connery. Uh, stay tuned. One of my favorites as a kid to watch. I was about ten when that came out. And oh yeah, sure. Just, just seeing like all the TV shows being parody. Time Cop, of course. Sudden uh, Death, which is one. See, of those, those are two. Those are two upper top topper top shelf ish John Claude Van Damme movies for sure. If not, well, Sudden Death is probably my favorite. Of, Same. You know, yeah, like when he was a star, anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Relic, End of Days, which I've always been a big oh, fan of. Uh, I love the Relic. My, yeah. uh, but End of Days is. The film I've always defended is when Schwarzenegger decided mm-hmm. to be an actor as opposed to just yeah. a star. Um, yeah, but then the wheels fall off. I'm looking at yeah, in, Sound in of Thunder century, was yeah. rough. Sound of Thunder, I saw that in the theater. Yeah. Uh, I believe uh, what's his name, uh, Ed. Uh, you got Edward, Edward Burns there. Edward Burns said it was the worst film ever made, and I would probably agree. Uh, it's pretty close. It's very bad, and I haven't really seen anything after that. But I, I like that he's eclectic, and I like his direction here. He is going for, and this is probably aided by the excellent John Barry score, even though it's a little repetitive. Mm-hmm. Oh um, yes. Totally repetitive. Yeah. But, uh, it helps. It, it, it does have, like I said, a very, when you think about where Hollywood was in 1979, true. They weren't making this, this stuff. Yeah. This feels like kind of a forties film, really. Like it oh, feels, sure. feels very old fashioned and throw a throwback kind of thing. Um, and I, and, and while I'm, I'm down on Leslie and down, I really loved Christopher Plummer in this one because yeah, this is a nice part um, for him. This is a very rare film in the love triangle saga where there's really no bad guys. Like he's a good guy too. Um, Now it's, it's patently absurd that, (laughs) you know, as an intelligence officer, he would insert himself over the person he's been training, especially because the two highly trained spies he sent before were caught instantly, despite the fact of 
how good they were. Mm-hmm. And he's going to go in with no experience and he's literally tripping on logs. It's obviously a plot contrivance, but I think, yeah, to put our two, put our two, you know, competitors together. together. But with uh, the dramatic irony that they don't know each other and we do, you know, yeah, right. And I don't know, like that's played well because I feel like played, in, well, played well. Yeah, because yeah. in real life, I think again, in other hands, they would make this more bombastic. Where in other hands, they would know each other, or one would know of the other, and it would just be right. more and you know, more and um more animosity would bubble up or something like that. Like um, I'm mm-hmm. trying to think of like um oh like no way out. Where like Kevin Costner is obviously digging on Sean Young, and he knows damn well it's Gene Hackman doing the stupid on the other side, right? Mm-hmm. But Gene Hackman knows nothing about Kevin Costner, and of course that turns into the mystery of the rest of the movie. But like, I feel like this is more realistic. Where I know it's you know serendipitous fate that they end up there, but it still is very compelling when when we yeah. know that they don't know. It's it's great well, for that. You know, the- especially when he saves them on the bridge and he's like, find my wife, Margaret, and tell her you tell her yourself. I love that shit. Like it just yeah. it, it well, the heroism is there not because of love, but because of just good old fashioned heroism. That that it, it probably plays as Twee and Cloy in too many cynics' minds, especially in nineteen seventy nine, where absolutely. yeah, we're coming hot out of New Hollywood and they just don't make movies like this anymore. So Well, I there's two movies that I think of when I watch this. Obviously yeah. in hindsight, because this is seventy nine. Um one is a little less obvious. Another, well, I say both are less obvious. The first one I'm going to talk about, and this would be an example of something like this not working, is okay. another film I thought of with this, especially in the deep cut realm, is 1989's Always mm, with sure. Steven Spielberg's Always, because that actually has a little bit of a supernatural element, but yeah, it really aims for the melodrama. But unfortunately, with the exception of Holly Hunter, they don't have either. They don't have the charisma needed, like with Richard Dreyfus, who I think is a great actor, but he's more of a caustic, harder to like person in terms of his sure. personality. And then you have like, I don't even remember the guy's name. He, he became a nobody. That's like the main romantic interest. Another story that involves a love triangle of sorts with no one who's really a bad guy. Um, yeah. But with that, you know, we're talking post-color purple Spielberg. We've got a lot of smaltiness, uh, trying to aim for that kind of old-fashioned filmmaking. But because the characters don't work, that melodrama takes over. This one has mm-hmm. a lot of melodrama to it. But like you said, I think that they, the, character, the actors make it work to the point where you're not focusing on it. You're not laughing at it. You're kind of just like, okay, this is, um, this is working for me. And, and that's why a lot of people use melodrama as mm-hmm. you know, like negative. But yeah. I mean, it has its place. I agree. I, I think when it's and I think uh, there's correctly like this, yeah, you don't yeah. mind it. It works, you know. And I think that's the thing is like people. I think I think more audiences and unfortunately more critics have just not seen or accepted melodrama when it's done right, or the or it's or it's or it's the thing where it's that's almost as fragilely as um what am I trying to say subjective as comedy. Where like everyone's heartstrings have a different strength to it. Where sure. what 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 makes another, one person swoon and fall over, another person's like, ah, oh, it's bullshit. That would never happen. Or their their heart's a little more hardened. I feel like not. I don't want to say romance. I'm going to say something as specific as melodrama. Just gets, yeah. It's it's just hard to, you know, universally accept as comedy. And, that, and that's um yeah. It's a, it's a fine line because when it's on you're swept you're you're taken aback it's amazing when it's not you couldn't be rubbed worse for some people you know 
Well, and, and another thing that I really like about this movie is the ending. Um, we've talked about this on the show before. Love the there's ending. Very, there's very I don't mind it one few, bit. Yeah, there's very few films. That you would especially see this in the 80s. I think the most common example is uh, 16 Candles when uh, mm. Molly Ringwald mm. clearly chooses the person that is not best for her. She goes with the yeah. hot guy instead of the guy that is like loyal and her best friend. There, There's a really nice element to this where, you know, even though Leslie Ann Down and Harrison Ford, you know, they obviously love each other, but there is a l- little bit more of a sexual primal thing to it. Mm-hmm. They yeah. both know that, like, you can't break up that family. Like, Christopher Plummer is a good right. guy. She's got the pet little Patsy Kensit. Um, that's right. Love, so is, too. That's right, which is pretty different from what she's doing here. I, but, uh, <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. But yeah, but no, like, you know, they harrison ford and leslie and down make the decision like you know this is great i love you but and i'll always love that but this guy's a good guy and our family is our family because of him and yeah we're not gonna leave and he accepts it i mean sure it's tough he has the look back kind of reminds right. me a little bit of chasing amy a lot which is another uh-huh. film that has the same kind of ending where you know the character they, they mutually agree that it's not going to work even though they yeah. wanted to and they, they kind of have that last look and they walk off and live a life Mm-hmm. Uh, they live their life um and that's you know that's that kind of ending is very powerful to me because it's it's i agree it's just as heroic to me because it's ethical oh, totally like it's, absolutely it, you know they're taking the high ground you know and it's yeah. not it's not letting and, like lust but edgy in the way. but 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 edgy and lust pushes the buttons where i know that that's the sizzle people want in these you know these impossible fictional stories and i sure. i like I, i'm with you though the Sometimes the the logical slash ethical way that things sometimes just don't turn out, folks, you know, is is, is a braver thing to admit and also follow through with than it is to just take the easy way out. Because, I mean, if it if you I think there's so many movies where, like you said, the hot guy wins or the hot girl wins or there's the, 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 the hot moment wins where I don't know what three months after the timeline of the movie they're probably broken up because it's just it, that stuff doesn't last <laughs> but marriage family does and 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 i think that's um and but yeah like in 1979 with high divorce rates and whatnot it, that's probably not the sexy ending uh set setting something in 1943 i think that's exactly what a what a good soldier would do like i'm not breaking up a marriage i, I love this girl what's his great line i love you enough to let you go that's a fucking stunning line and, and oh, Harrison yeah. nails it with just eye contact and he's standing right there in the handhold, the, the whole hospital scene where they meet in the hallway and you think, Oh, this is the moment because either Christopher Plummer didn't make it, or this is the chance they're going to run away together. And they don't. And, and Harrison knows it before he even walks down that hallway. Like when I see her, I'm going to tell her and we're done. Uh, no matter how hard it is, I'm good. And he mm-hmm. lights that cigarette and walks down the street, same street they met on at the beginning of the movie and yeah. lives his life. You know, I'm sure you, and, and, that's probably this this whole episode is probably an an anecdote of a post soldier's life he lives that he never tells his future wife about for all he knows you know sure, that kind of sure. thing well and it's funny too because um we were talking about this with uh dial of destiny uh on yeah harrison ford movie i love that this is clearly shot on a back lot in elm street studio <laughs> like yeah, you know it's, yeah. it's a london street but like I don't mind I, when, we, when I was talking about with Dial of Destiny. It's like just just build a corner of New York. Don't have all the CGI that shows like miles and miles of the New right. York horizon. Like this is this is just as this is just as effective. This could be used as a lesson to oh, filmmakers. Yeah. Like all you need yeah. is like a backlot street mm-hmm. that looks like London. Yeah, um, Cost, costumes, buses, and and 
just yeah, dress it. it just dress it, it, it works. Set, no you know? one no one no one goes to a play and looks at the stage and goes, ah, well, this is fake. Of course it's fake. It's a stage. Yeah. Like uh, movies are just a more elaborate stage. But like you well, here. just put that stuff out there. I think also this might be the same backlot set they used for life force with toby hooper i'm not sure hey, that could very well be but yeah, no like even from a budget standpoint you have authentic world war ii bombers and all of that mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. all of the load it would take to bring those on screen put them through their paces and whatnot and this movie and then you're talking about a backlot and set dressing and, and extensive yeah. costumes this movie only has a budget of eight million dollars and nice. even if you multiply that by four to today, that's a budget of $32 million. And yeah. it looks great. It looks just fine. It looks, it nothing look really looks good. fake. You know, it it's looks a good it's, looking movie. And, and again, like I, maybe it's kind of where I was saying before with small stakes, like we're not trying to land the fucking beach in Normandy. We're, we're just going to the one mission, to the one place in the one village. And that's important enough because of who you have there. And that's it. That's all you need. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, you don't need bigger things than that. And, yeah, what was your? You said you had two movie comps for this. You said, uh, yeah, what was the other just, one? Just because, like, because I got one after you. Well, just because I'm not going to say it's a it's a major thing. It just made me think of it a little bit because yeah. the way I've been reading a lot of, I just finished reading Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the mm. book, sure, and I had read Cinema Speculation and just kind of knowing about how he looks at movies and goes into the deeper cuts. Like, I kind of feel like there was a small percentage of this movie that influenced the Michael Fassbender scene in, uh, in glorious bastards, because the one at the bar this, or something else, the, the one in the bar, when, the, when he gets caught with the three fingers, uh, like there's something uh-huh. about, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. there's something about like these, these, these very, very British people. Like they they have a scene mm-hmm. in this movie where like, that's right. I remember Christopher Plummer is meeting with two guys and it's, it's very like prototypical British. Cause they're like, well, one of our spies was caught in Germany within two weeks. Oh my god! My god! I just trained him myself. Like it's very mm-hmm. like stiff upper lip British, and and then of course like Plummer himself goes undercover as a Nazi and, and fails miserably like right off the bat. Yeah, yeah. And it made me think of that because like in Inglorious Bastards, there's a scene where like Mike Myers plays one of the British, and it's very British. Like I think almost. Oh, yeah almost satirically British where they're like, Oh, hello chap. We're going to infiltrate the Nazis with the bastards, you know, like, and it's uh, just very like, yeah. I kind of feel like because Quentin Tarantino watches everything. Like, I feel like this he is had true. to have seen this movie and it had I to be like, there had to be like a little bit. I'm not saying the whole thing, but just little scenes like had to be yeah. like, if I ever do something like this, I'm going to pop that in there. A little Hanover street reference for the, for the super film guys out there. That's what mm. I, I mean, I'm totally just guessing, but that's just that, I, yeah. that popped up in my head while I was watching. I was like, man, this this is something that might have had an influence on him because, you know, him, he has all these influences with crazy, random, like really lesser known shit that influences his movies. Yeah. So. The one that stands out or the one that like, mm-hmm. I know I listed off a bunch of romantic dramas and things like that before, but like the I think that I saw. In 96, I saw In Love and War with Sandra Bullock, Chris O'Donnell. It's mm. Richard Attenborough uh, directing uh, oh, kind of the, the Ernest Hemingway kind of hospital story, the thing that would inspire him to do A Farewell to Arms. So it's mm. kind of like the story behind the story kind of thing. Mm. And it, you have this age difference between Sandra Bullock and Chris O'Donnell and how um, there's not really like a love triangle situation there, but it's more the you know nurse slash soldier i can't be with you this is not the right place it's not the right time you know that whole thing and obviously they're in this is world war one battlefields and not world war two but just that that aching longing in the whole like you know 
they should, probably should be together. There's some heat there, of course, but you know, you know, from the beginning of the movie, even if you don't know your your Hemingway, this is not going to work out. In fact, this is probably going to embitter him enough to make a novel, um, and it plays that way. And then, like, mm-hmm. but same kind of idea with like just that sweep where Richard Attenborough, you know, that's a what is that Gandhi? I mean, that's a filmmaker, you know, who's who's oh, there sure. to make some sweep and some scope. And then you've got, um, I think, like, uh, yeah, George Fenton does like not Barry, almost Barry level, just really nice music where uh, again, you, when you have that going for you, you can kind of, you know, paint that brush and really makes anything pretty good where I saw that years ago and I was really captivated by it because again, I was a sucker for manic drama, same year as like English patient whatnot. And then um, I found this movie. I remember seeing a, you know, on VHS, how the, like this was a Paramount movie. So I remember on VHS, they had like the, like the, the combo montage trailer of like all of their different products, like Godfather two top gun for mm-hmm. Like, you know, this came up as like a, like a two second little thing, like Hanover street. And it showed, you know, a picture of Harrison Ford looking in that great uniform and just, you know, looking like a million bucks. I'm like, and I, and I'm like, Oh wow, it's Harrison Ford. What movie is that? He looks fucking great. And I, the movie is always stuck in my head as something to go find, but I, and it was also one of those things where it's not very popular. So it didn't really pop up in VHS. It's not the biggest DVD or Blu-ray in the world. And so I just never found it until um, maybe a year or two ago on like Amazon prime where I'm like, ah, perfect. I've always wanted to see this. I've been circling this for a long time in my head and I watched it and I was just, yeah, again, yeah, it's just swept and captivated. Couldn't believe it. Um, yeah. And I, it's a, it was a bummer to hear how poorly it was received. It was a bummer to hear how badly it made at the box office. And, and yeah, I know sliding doors moment, so to speak, but like, I know Ford, of course, was fine. You know, Christopher Plummer's fine. No, no one's career was ruined over this. Himes went on, did good things, but it's a bummer that it, there's not more love for it. So, and being as dated as it is and not as available as it is, even with Harrison Ford still being there, I, I know this isn't going to find much bigger audience going forward unless it becomes yeah, a, that's, a, that's a crazy time capsule. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I love covering this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and this is, um, I'm just trying to, I'm looking at, um, Harrison Ford's filmography at this time, obviously big ones, you know, by heart, like Star Wars. Oh yeah. It was an apocalypse now at the same time, but this would be like, let's see, one, two, three, four, four straight years of Harrison Ford killing Nazis in a way. I mean, I'm paraphrasing back to killing <laughs> yeah. space Nazis, but, but no force 10 from Navarone, Hanover street. And then he did yeah. Empire strikes back and then Raiders of the Lost Ark. So it's, mm. uh, he was getting a uh, shoehorned into the Nazi killing business, which is, fine with me (laughs) it works yeah (laughs) yeah it works for me um what i need to do is like how did leslie ann down turn out after this i mean she's still with us in 69 but she after this did let's see here hanover street rough cut sphinx nomads when did it really hit big for her it kind of didn't night trap death wish five yeah yeah, she did um she did upstairs downstairs and uh north and south were kind of her big miniseries when miniseries That's were right. the thing you know those man um, i don't know if you remember those were the thing oh, yeah, my, we still have the vhs huge events TV, yeah but, and then she looks like she was uh in dallas for a bit i can um, see that yeah and then uh, yeah she mostly uh-huh. and then she did some uh, uh soap opera stuff but yeah, um I see some some model, but, here, yeah. um, now the original cast of this was i heard yeah chris christopherson and genevieve wow. Bujol. Um, I who I mean Bujold. There's some talent there. Better. I think she'd yeah. be better than than down. But she um, left when Christofferson left. If I yeah, remember. but I think she would have been. So, so here's the thing: I would take Ford over Christofferson easily. Oh hell yes! Um, and Plummer was always going to be Plummer. Yeah. So that's yeah. cool. But yeah, I would take Bujol over uh, down in terms of like kind of that kind of got that 
sultry. Yeah. You know, just like, the next level uh, sizzle. You know, you cut. Yeah. You have to be pretty fetching to score two guys. You know, I agree. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So this is interesting. Yeah, but uh, yeah, this is why I like doing movies like this because um, I hope I hope someone because obviously yeah. we know that there's at least one guy out there <laughs> that loves this movie. But I, you know, you would hope that. Somebody checks it out. It is on Amazon Prime, so it's free if you have Prime. Very easy to find, yeah. And it's very easy to find. It's been on Prime for years because I've had this in my queue for probably two or three years since right. I went through. And you know, but like I said, I, I think with with revisiting all the Indiana Jones and um, well, I tell and doing you all what, that, I was like, I'm going to go through this. You know, well, I'm going to tell you what, we're going to make a dent in Rotten Tomatoes for this movie because on Rotten so. Tomatoes, Hanover Street is sitting at 57% and Ooh. it only has seven reviews, which means if we drop, drop a positive one, we may kick this thing north of 60. I hope so. I know. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be really great? That's the power um, of what we do, man. I tell you. We're, I'm trying, I, give it a week I and it's on there, man. Yeah. I should have done my research, but I'm going to do this real quick while, yeah. you are, while you are talking about maybe our merch or something. But oh, I'm sure. trying to think. We we pro- Harrison Ford might be our most covered star by now. Yeah, because by now. we did we've done Blade Runner, Blade Runner 2049, uh-huh. American Graffiti. Yeah, um, star. We've done. Well, I'm going in order of what we released. Yeah, so. go ahead. You cover it that uh, way. Yeah. Let's see, um, it, his own deep cut episode. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Coda. Let's see. Uh, no, that's not it. Not that. Because that um, would have been the summer before Coda, right? Let's see. Yeah, I'm just looking at the guys, but uh, so that's three so far. Let's see. He's not in Last Jedi, but we did do Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um let's see. Um two Indian Jones movies in a row here. We did Blade, both Blade Runners, right? You got that already. I got, I got three so far. Yeah, we did Return of the Jedi. Uh and then we have Um he's pro you can give him credit for being prominently in our heroes episode. Well, in terms of straight up movies, this will be our seventh That's right. movie That's we've covered good. of Harrison Ford. We did a deep cuts on Harrison Ford. That's right. And we're going to be doing regarding Henry. Yeah. God do you want to <laughs> do you want to find some more down the road here? Maybe not right away. This, I mean, you're. Well, I know sure. you. You're, you're going to keep diving. But we'll. We've got two here well, tonight. We'll record. But I, I tells our, me we're going to see a couple more this year. I know our pals. I don't remember if it's over at Kicking the Seat or if it was part of Mark's stuff, but I yeah. know they just did mosquito coast, which I also watched for the first time. Ooh, I have not seen that. So I got to catch that. Um, it, interesting. Um, yeah. And then uh, I, I'm really going through the deep cuts right now. I mean, like I'm going to watch like call of the wild and uh, uh, see now <laughs> like if, you get to, <laughs> if you get to call the wilds, I mean, he kind of, he's on the screen a lot. It's a big part for him. It, it's not a great, adaptation of that book and, and some sure. really ugly cgi but of course he's great um yeah, i'll tell you what though if you get to and i know blake lively is not normally anybody's thing or even our age thing. of adeline right when you get to age of adeline that's an a, 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 a shockingly surprisingly good performance where you could tell he's really really trying in a movie that probably sh- doesn't shouldn't have to try that hard well, uh, I he, mean, he's I'm- really good I'm looking at non-documentary stuff. I mean, I've seen yeah. a lot of stuff with him, but I mean, in terms of the really heavy hitter stuff that I have not seen, yeah, I very presumed, few. I need presumed innocent. There was yeah, presumed yeah. innocent is is great. I've seen that. Yeah. No, there's um, there were kind of these two middling. They look middling, and I don't want to just write them off. But this is sure. like, you know, 
there's crossing over and extraordinary measures, which I haven't seen. Um, mm, yeah. Random hearts is one I haven't Ooh. seen. Um, so, I, I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm a Sydney Pollock guy, but that that's a rough one. You know, okay. there's one with Liam Hemsworth, Liam Hemsworth called Paranoia <laughs> with Gary Oldman as well, which I haven't I think seen. that's like a single digit Rotten Tomatoes one, too. Like, yeah, that might I be think an eight percenter. The biggest, Paranoia. the biggest film that I probably haven't seen, I guess, Seven Sabrina, maybe Sabrina being a big remake. You get you get Greg Kinnear, uh, you know, on the come right there in his in right right before as good as it gets launches him. That's a big and and Julia Armand at that moment was Legends of the Fall. She was that next European it girl where that was a big deal movie that didn't make it a very big deal, but it tried. Yeah. Yeah. That might be that might be it, other than like bit okay. roles. I mean, I, I've never seen uh you know Life of Pets 2. So like you're, I'm yeah, not, not thing, rushing yeah. out yeah. to go see that. No. I haven't seen Bruno. I'm assuming he makes kind of a cameo in that or something. Yeah. Or Anchorman yeah. 2, I haven't seen. I know he makes a cameo in that. He's he's got um, an okay cameo in that, yeah. Yeah, so I so yeah, Age of Adeline, Ender's Game, which is on the list. I've read the book, and it looks okay. like the poster spoils the movie's ending. Correct. Um, and um, yeah, Call of the Wild. I mean, I mean, so I I'm pretty well versed in. Okay. Uh, Harrison, have you seen um, Frantic, the Roman Polanski? No, no. Yeah, that's I, a good that's one. the fun part about Ford is like he had that run where I know he's not like Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, or anything like that. But he had a run of working with really, really good people. Like the movies that might oh, not yeah. have like completely hit, but I mean, he's doing Peter Weir with witness. He's doing frantic. Like you said, with Polanski, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're talking about a pack of the film in there, a Pollock film in there. Um, obviously, you know, you got, and then it, of course, big things take off like the fugitive and whatnot, but like, yeah, the dude, the dude went for it, you know? Um, wow. Yeah. I mean, he, he walks with Matt Damon can run people like that. So, oh, sure. <laughs> Yeah, no, he's yeah. he's great, and and uh, you know I've obviously seen all the heavy hitters, but uh, mm-hmm. it, it is fun to kind of see him in these little movies like Hanover Street, where I think I, like I think it, yeah. there's a lot of you know Harrison Ford is a victim of this too. We might have talked about yeah. this on our deep cut episode, but all the greats like De Niro, Pacino, you know, even somebody like William Shatner, like they become their caricatures in a way. I mean, that's true. Harrison Ford has for a while now been coasting off the grumpy old man thing. Um, yes. It, in some cases, I like it. Like, there's a, another deep cut here. I like Morning Glory, where he played kind of like. Oh, a, I love that movie. Yeah, yeah, it's a great, great movie, and he's great in it as a grumpy guy. Mm-hmm. But you know, then they would just have him be grumpy, like in things like you know Hollywood Homicide or Firewall or something. It's just not yeah. quite as engaging. But um, you know, it's it's nice to shatter that that image of you know, it, regardless of how good you know they are. Mm-hmm. You, you kind of go right to the caricature because like a lot of, you know, a lot of people like, for instance, like Pacino, you know, they, you forget the baby faced nuanced guy that he was before he kind of became known as the screamy guy, you know, and yeah. De Niro was just the tough guy. Like the, and Harrison Ford's the same way. Like there was a time when he was a very charming, energetic, you know, uh, leading man. He wasn't just the grumpy, like sarcastic, uh, dry, I hate mm-hmm. everything kind of guy and, and and seeing a movie like this where he's playing someone who's really in love and, and it's not just the swap thing. I mean, he is, he is obviously more of a uh, hero than Christopher Plummer is. He's more dashing. Yeah. He, he smokes and he talks back to his commander and everything. But, you know, at one point he's laying in bed crying about how much he loves this lady. So it's not, it's not a, typical performance so no you know, it's it's yeah. it, that's the fun part it's like this is a nice case study 
if you just uh, we've seen them be sexy slash romantic but this is this is a legitimate romantic drama from harris and ford we don't get that too often and to the point where they fit on one hand if not less than a hand you know so Mm -hmm. that's yeah i think that's i require viewing if you're a super fan in that that kind of way so no this is fun thanks for doing this and uh um i'm glad you finally saw it i know i i had you by a year or two in this one but uh worth it very worth it well and of course another one we'll be checking off the list soon you're probably not as excited about it as i am but harrison ford will be i believe the president of the united states and possibly the red hulk in captain america brave new world so i'm very excited (sighs) yeah (laughs) if they could just leave him ross and not be hulk i'm i don't want to see a cgi rendition of (laughs) ford superimposed red no 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 well, well also I mean, had, it's also the pussification of the Hulk. Like, if you're gonna bring Red Hulk, you better bring a mean ass Green Hulk back, or it's not gonna happen. Well, so. and he had the uh, the great Harrison Ford deadpan delivery of somebody said, "Hey, are you gonna be playing Red Hulk in this movie?" And he goes, "What's a Red Hulk?" I know. <laughs> yeah, that's like, that's, yes, yeah, that's what I want. I love yeah, when he, uh, he's crazy. He's taking paychecks. He's yeah. taking paychecks. <laughs> but uh, he's uh, reached cool... the Michael Caine stage of his life. So, <laughs> well, yeah. there's a cool part about him and. Anthony Mackie, there's a behind the scenes photo and that looks kind of exciting. I, but, uh, also a paycheck, yeah. but yeah. Good oh, luck. whatever. Oh, what's Mackie right. got going that isn't this? And, Come on. And it, well, he's he's gonna be in uh what's what's the movie? What's the video game about the people driving around uh killing each other with cars? What was that movie? What was that video game called? Fast like, X. Oh Grand Theft Auto. It's like the one with the with the clown and uh um, shit, I don't know. Oh yeah, it's like a <laughs> it's it's a really fucking weird like it's not full metal something. Okay. Who gives a shit? But anyway, uh, the yeah, point, exactly. The Anthony point... Mackie and his agent do that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the days of uh Hurt Locker are over. I get that, but Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh Twisted Metal. Sorry, that's the name okay. of it. Okay. The name yeah. of it. Uh but whatever. Oh yeah. So there you go. Anyways, uh first we want to bring your attention to the merch we have merch mm-hmm. uh thanks to uh to don and it and i can confirm now so i'm not just going to sell you a bunch of crap Uh-oh. um don for my birthday got me one of our shirts with cinephile his fit on it and uh, that's right i'm a i'm a very I'm a, I'm a bigger man and i don't like um i don't like things to be too big but i also don't like things too tight and yeah. so it's 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 tough for bigger guys like me to find that middle ground uh-huh. the the shirt that he ordered for me was like perfect. Like I didn't feel uncomfortable. It didn't hug too much, but it was big enough to make me feel comfortable. It's a, it's a supple fabric too. It's a nice soft yeah, shirt. It's a very nice fabric. It's, it, I wouldn't yeah. say it's the, uh, like the anti-sweat technology, but it's, I, yeah, we, yeah, it's, it's a different yeah. level. It's a different yeah. level. Um, and you can actually see me and Don wearing these shirts. Um, if you go over to YouTube and check out YPA reviews, you'll probably agree. Uh, one of our videos from our time in Chicago has posted, and you can see me and Don wearing the shirt. So if you like the Cinefile His Fit shirt, or if you're just, if you don't even like me and you're just a big Don Shanahan fan, um, they have Every Movie Has a Lesson on their uh, shirts. They also have the free Blockbuster, that, uh, which is That's a very right. local, yeah, yeah. very local thing yeah. that we're trying to get national, uh, where uh, Don has uh, kind of built this uh, give a movie, take a movie thing and uh across the neighborhood and it's called a free blockbuster but we have shirts for that so go to um every movie has a lesson.com and check out the t republic storefront um uh, other social media stuff you want to follow us on twitter at cinephile fit 
on Facebook at Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast. We can really use some good reviews and recommendations and stuff like that. So if you could do that, that would be wonderful. You can also find us at Instagram on Cinephile Fits. You can find me and Don on Letterboxd uh, to check out our film reviews and ratings. Uh, we're also on Rotten Tomatoes. And like I said, we are doing good in the world with Rotten Tomatoes. We are going to make a splat into a ripe, good tomato with Hanover Street. Thank you so much for your loyal listenership in our tussles and for connecting with us on social media. Cinephile Hissy Fit is a Ruminations Radio Network podcast sponsored by Film Obsessive. If you enjoyed this show, the Ruminations Radio Network has more excellent programming with stellar hosts and spirit topics. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our show and others on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. <laughs>